Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. One of the lines that we really believe at Charlie is that culture will make or break your business. It's the foundation that will allow you to achieve your goals as a business. But it's also entirely unique to your business. No two cultures are the same. Each business requires different nuances from their culture, and none more so than Farewell, who describe themselves as the UK's best-rated death experts. So today, we're going to explore how do you build a culture that embraces death? And to do that with me, I'm joined by Angela Bradbury, Chief of Staff at Farewell. Hi, Angela. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great. I'm really good. I'm really good. How's, um, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, just waiting to see what the weather does next, <laughs> as I think we all are. Um, yeah, it's been nice being back in the office after many months of not being in the office. Uh, so yeah, we, there's only a, a handful of us in at any one time, but it's been really nice to be around people again. Nice. And yeah, so you're in the office today. Um, how does how, how does that feel, you know, for you? Uh, what was the work from home, the kind of remote work experiment like? Yeah, really interesting for me personally. So I've previously had my own business, which was a complete remote working business. So I worked from home for four years and decided very intentionally that I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, so about 12 months ago, uh, that was when I was started working for Farewell. Uh, loved it, loved the office and the culture and the people and everything. Uh, and then come March, found myself working from home again. Um, but that was actually really great because it meant that I had lots of experience of what works and what doesn't work and how best to support the team. Um, and yeah, people really kind of came together in terms of a remote community, uh, which was really nice. And um, yeah, we kind of got through it really. Great. I'm interested, and and I know that's not the topic of today's discussion, but I'd love to know why you, you know, purposely walked away from the your remote work lifestyle, because I know it's a it's a hot topic, and a, a lot of people are thinking mm. about it at the moment. You know, how do we transition our businesses into the future? What were the things for you that made you want to go back into an office? Yeah, I mean, I I completely see how it really works for some people. Um, for me personally, I really appreciate having that separation of work and home. So knowing that I have this routine where I get up, shower, put on clothes that I go to work in, um, get out the house, either walk or cycle or whatever, um, and then go somewhere else that I only associate with work. Um, I just find that to be a really kind of healthy routine. Um, and then I'm also just really extroverted. <laughs> so being around people, even if you're not um, kind of actively having a conversation with them all the time, but just having them around and knowing that you can pass people in the kitchen and say hi to each other, I just, I just really appreciate that. 
Yeah, nice. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people listening out there who, who, uh, yeah, have struggled over the last four or five months, right? It's it's definitely not been for everyone. And I think, um, you know, making sure that we build the types of businesses that can be flexible to what people need, I think is yeah. important. And But let's focus on today and this what this conversation about is about, which is specifically the, the culture at Fairwell. But before we do that, tell us a bit more about what your business does and and specifically what your products are. Yeah, totally. So our mission is to change the way the world deals with death. Um, so traditionally, things like making a will, uh, arranging a funeral, applying for probate, these are uh, processes that are often, they feel quite cold. Um, they can be really complex in terms of the way they're done or the kind of process you've got to go through. And it's really stressful. You know, this is a time that you're either thinking about your own mortality or you're faced with that of a loved one. Um, so we think that by kind of blending smart technology with really warm-hearted customer service we can help with a lot of that and um, kind of make dealing with death a little bit easier amazing and yeah I, I imagine that the last four or five months where to some degree we've all had to think and consider the idea of death more closely has been a particularly mm. interesting time for you guys yeah, really interesting. Um, so pretty early on, I'd say like the beginning of March, that's when we started seeing a surge in demand for our wills. So there are a lot of people who had maybe been, you know, had it at the bottom of their to-do lists for ages. Um, maybe they'd bought a house or had their first child, um, but hadn't quite gotten around to making their will or people who were working in healthcare industries. Um, and it was, you know, a real risk for them. Um, lots of these people started thinking, oh, I should, I should get a will in place. Um, and we actually um, were able to uh, offer free wills to the NHS, um, which we were really uh, pleased to be able to do. And lots of people took us up on it and said lovely things about how it helped kind of put their minds at ease. Um, so, yeah, that was, there were kind of a few facets to that, I suppose. Um, and then uh, about a month later than that was when um, we started coming up the curve on demand for our cremation services, um, partly because uh, people could no longer gather for funerals and being able to arrange a funeral over the phone and the internet um, and have a what's called a direct cremation. That's where we take care of all of the logistics and deliver the ashes directly back to the family so that they can have a, a celebration or um, remember the person and say goodbye in their own time and in their own way. Um, that's obviously uh, more of a uh, an option than going to a crematorium uh, with a large group of people, which, you know, was illegal for a while. <laughs> mm. It's really interesting. Even hearing you describe the different compartments of, of what the organisation does, I, you know, I find I find difficult and challenging. You know, it's it's mm. we'd like to think that death is something that maybe we're all okay talking about but when you're faced with it in such starkness um you know maybe you don't respond to it in the way that you think you're going to and and that's really important when we're talking about culture 
So how would you describe the culture that you've built at Farewell? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, well, coincidentally, we've actually just run a process to kind of articulate um, what our culture is. So it's a very good time for you to be asking that question. Um, So we basically ran a bunch of Uh, We did a survey, we did some workshops, um, and that was led by the founders, Dan and Tom. Um, Coming out of that, they kind of pulled out some themes, um, things that they were hearing quite a lot from our team, um, and then worked with our brand team to be um, figuring out the the articulation of that. So how we were going to um, codify it in terms of the language, um, what our brand positioning would be, Um, So we now have, um, we kind of separated out our values into our company beliefs, which is kind of how we approach things as a team over the long term, Um, separate from our company behaviours, which is more how we interact with each other on a day-to-day basis. So you'll be glad to hear we've got an acronym for both. Um, So for our company beliefs, uh, it's DOTS. So that stands for Deliberate Decisions, our customers' shoes, teamwork equals dream work, and serious ambition. Uh, And then our company behaviours is uh, um, defined by BLOB, um, which stands for BU, lean forward, offer help, and bias to action. Um, So we think um, between the two of these kind of concepts, the beliefs and behaviours, it really does encapsulate um, what our what Farewell's culture is, you know, it's um, it's warm, it's simple, it's beautiful, um, and it's always also a little bit kind of irreverent and funny. Um, so, for instance, we have a blob of the week where um, every week in all hands uh, we get people to submit nominations for someone that they think has really role modelled the company behaviours, um, and we award them blob of the week. <laughs> I want to just pick out for for people listening at home because I think it's really important. You've made a clear distinction about values and behaviours, beliefs and behaviours, and the difference of those two things. Often Mm. when I see businesses think about their culture, a, a lot of their focus is on the kind of values and beliefs side of things. And they forget the behaviours. Was that something really obvious and clear that you knew you were going to pick up as part of the process or did you just discover them as you were going through it? I think it crystallized as we were going through it Um, and partly through you know I talked to lots of other chiefs of staff and heads of people about the process that they'd gone through and some of them uh, brought up this distinction uh, which I hadn't really thought of before but in parallel when we were looking at the themes coming out it was clear that they were sort of sep- sort of naturally separating out into these two sorts of timescales. Um, so the one being on a kind of day-to-day, almost minute-to-minute basis, how you're, how you're treating each other, what you're seeing um, in terms of what's being role-modelled and how you're interacting, even if it's via Slack or whatever. Um, and the beliefs being much more around how do we think about the kind of company that we want to build? Um, how do we make decisions? What are going to be our overarching guide rails for the future? Yeah, amazing. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully bought in to the 
you know, my belief of how important behaviours are. Yeah. Um, if you can't explain to someone how you actually want them to translate a value into activity, which is the behaviour, then I think a lot of the time people feel really lost. Yeah, well, I think the other part of it is that behaviours are something that you can interview for or assess against and it doesn't take away from diversity. I think a lot of the a lot of time when people are talking about culture and they're talking about culture fit, what they're really looking for is someone who looks and sounds and acts like them. Um, what we really want to do is make sure that we're preserving um, or kind of um, promoting the kind of behaviors that we think are really uh, additive to our culture. Um, whilst at the same time enabling people to come with lots of different perspectives, different experiences, different backgrounds. Um, and absolutely, that encompasses people who don't necessarily look the same um, or sound the same. Um, so that I think being clear about what you're looking for uh, in hiring and how you're assessing people for performance and promotions, um, doing that against a framework of blob, it makes that really clear and uh, kind of objective in, in a much more um yeah in a much more objective way yeah which is super important i want to ask what happened pre you kind of really crystallizing this and and you've been in the business for, for 12 months mm -hmm. um and the business was around you know it was in existence a bit before then where there wasn't something written down something uh, you know, clear that people could point to and say, you know, that is a representation of the beliefs and the behaviours that we have as an organisation. Was it a conscious effort to take something that people typically see as being a negative and position it in a more positive way? Or do you think it happened very naturally from those early days of the founding team? When you say take something negative, do you mean about death? Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think this is maybe a common misconception about farewell that um, that we have to spin it that it's you know that it's something that is inherently negative and we have to find a way to make it sound positive. Um, from working here for twelve months, it it really doesn't feel negative at all. Um, it's genuinely such a heartwarming endeavour to be working to make death easier. And um, I give a couple of examples so. In our wills, we have a section for amazing messages where people can write um, a message either associated with a gift that they're giving someone um, or just a message to someone where they can write um, poems or, you know, um, they can recount stories of their life. They can thank people. And you see really just beautiful, romantic um unusual messages being left in those wills um, and seeing people use that as a vehicle for taking a step back and, and thinking about who they want to say something to and what they're going to say. I mean, when else do people do that? Like, that's an incredible opportunity that we're enabling. Um, and then also when people have been bereaved and we hear stories of the funerals that they arrange and how we've helped people through the process of probate. I mean, um, you can just look at our trust pilot reviews. You know, you can see what people say about it. It's not just, oh yeah, I did this thing through an online app or whatever. It's people saying that 
it genuinely transformed their experience of death, um, which is so life-affirming, actually, like to, to know that that's possible. Um, so in terms of how that plays through into our culture, I think we sort of naturally attract people who care, um, you know, it, it, people who really want to look after other people, and that really shows in relationships between colleagues. Um, and I think it it probably also attracts people who are a little bit weird, like in order to attract, in order to want to work in a death company, um, you're probably comfortable with things being a bit outside of the norm, um, which is great because then we have people who are really comfortable being themselves at work. That's why it's the first one in, in blog, Be Yourself. Um, and as an example of this, we have passion talks every other Tuesday where someone can sign up to talk about something important to them outside of work. And we've had everything from jujitsu to the history of scissors to polyamory. Like people are really willing to share stuff about their out of work interests that I've, I've never come across anything like it in a company before. That's really amazing. So when I think and when we think about culture, we think about three core ingredients. We think about the people that you have in the room. We think about the policies. And I, and I want to push us to think about policies in a real 2020 definition, which is agree do's and don'ts of an organization. Now, those can be written, but mm -hmm. they can also be unwritten. Mm -hmm. And then processes. How does the organization run? What are the rituals? You know, you just talked about your passion talks. It's a great process. And that's a great example of how something really operational massively impacts your culture. How have you, how have those been affected by your subject matter? And so let me give an example for Charlie. You know, our, our purpose as an organization, you know, we were talking about this uh, before we came on the call just now is to make work better. And so you know, we look at all of our policies as an organization and we scrutinize them heavily to make sure that we are being generous. We are setting the bar really, really high for others to copy, be it that in mental health or sabbaticals or, uh, you know, parental leave, those kinds of areas. Are there any aspects to who you hire, the policies you have and the way you run your organization that have been affected and, and adapted because of the subject matter of your business? Hmm. So I think probably the biggest one that springs to mind is that um, death can be really triggering. So for some people, if they're, for instance, doing some user research, talking to customers or, or potential customers um, who are recently bereaved um, and they're talking about a really difficult funeral experience and they're having that conversation because we want to understand how we can better serve people in those sorts of situations but if you're the researcher conducting that interview and um and say that funeral experience that you're hearing about is very similar to one that you yourself have experienced or if um if you go through a bereavement whilst working at farewell um that can be really tough and even when people uh, might think that they've um, you know 
uh, they've had enough time off and they've been able to work through that grief and um, it's become a part of them and you know they're comfortable being in uh, work in their role um, things can sometimes come up for people that they're not expecting it can blindside them a little bit so it's really important for us to make sure that we're giving people the space um, and the support that they might need so that in those sorts of instances they have people that they can reach out to they can take time off they can really kind of tune into what they need um, and we're enabling that as much as possible amazing are there any aspects of your culture that you think you've gotten wrong yeah, I think the kind of flip side of the whole, like, as a team, everyone is so lovely and really wants to take care of each other and they hate the thought of upsetting anyone. Um, that That is definitely a theme and you kind of see it um, when new joiners have been in the, the team for a couple of weeks. I ask them how they're getting on and they're always like, amazing, I love it here, people are so lovely. Um, I think the flip side of that is that we've often shied away from giving direct prompt feedback to each other. Um, so that's something that we've been working on more recently and I think it would be a continuing endeavor. Um, so we've been running lots of feedback workshops, training our managers on it. Um, we're starting to move the needle now, I think, and, and starting to see the benefits of, you know, nipping things in the bud before they become a thing. Um, and as part of this, we've actually hired someone called Carl Martin to be an in-house full-time coach uh, for our managers um, and a lot of his role is helping people uh, identify when they're struggling to have difficult conversations and doing that sooner rather than later so I'm really excited about that. That is awesome. If, if you'd ask my team what my ideal job would be it would be to be a full-time coach in, a, nice. in an organisation so I'm <laughs> very jealous of, of Carl. As you look ahead and obviously things have shifted around massively for, for everyone over the last six months. Are you consciously thinking about how your culture needs to adapt and evolve? So I think the little book of farewell, as we call the exercise that we've just run um, and that we now have, that kind of our mission, our beliefs, our behaviours, they've been very intentionally... Um, figured out with the long term in mind. I don't think we will need to continually revise those sort of month to month, even year to year. Um, I think there will be challenges of scaling and we need to be really intentional about weaving those behaviours and beliefs into everything we do. We'll need to check in with them, we'll need to get feedback from the team. I think... Um, one of the one of the challenges that is top of my mind is um, maintaining diversity and inclusion as we scale. Um, so, for instance, right now we have a 50-50 gender split, even in engineering and even in the leadership team. Um, as we uh, look to grow really ambitiously, we've just um, closed our Series B round, um, which means that over the next kind of 12-18 months, we're likely to be expanding the team very quickly. I'm really keen to make sure that we maintain that focus on diversity as we scale very quickly. Amazing. I was listening to another podcast yesterday um, 
uh, it's a podcast uh, called All Hands. It's by Lattice. And they, um, they had uh, Gary Vaynerchuk on there, the kind of very famous social media marketer, influencer. And he had a point which was that he believes diversity and inclusion is going to take a massive hit because of um, because of COVID-19, because of lockdown, because people have had to make cuts, they've had to shift people around, people aren't hiring as much, there isn't as much uh, budget to invest in things like hiring. Um, and to me, that felt like a really counter comment to what I feel like is happening across organizations like ours, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's ever been a point in time where uh, DE&I has been more of a focused. Where do you sit on that scale? Yeah, I kind of agree. I think um, certainly what I found with my old company, the one that I founded um, where we were completely remote working, that enabled a much greater range of employment opportunities. We could suddenly employ people who were stay-at-home mums anywhere in the world um, because we just needed people who had a laptop and (laughs) were willing to work a certain number of hours each day doing uh, the role that we'd spec'd out. And um, it didn't matter whether they... Uh, could come into an office in central London. It didn't matter if they needed to pick up their kids at 4 p.m. You know, um, there's that side of things. But also in hiring, uh, if you're hiring remotely, it means that you can do that in a much more blind way. So being able to set uh, tasks and um, uh, kind of role plays or you know things that don't require someone to physically meet you um, sit across the table from you interview well um, that's a, a skill that not everyone has and isn't necessary for every role um, so I actually think having hiring processes that are a bit more flexible or maybe designed specifically with diversity and inclusion in mind rather than um, with uh, the default tradition of coming into an office in mind. Uh, I think that actually helps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board uh, uh, with, with that, with that comment. And, and we've definitely taken a very hard look at our own processes and ways of working and said, how can we use this as an opportunity to do better, right? Mm-hmm. I want to round off by, um, I guess, getting your advice, getting you to reflect on what are the kind of three to four things that you feel you've learned about building culture in your time at Farewell? I appreciate it's only been 12 months, but I feel like you've all achieved a lot in that time and uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been an impressive journey. So what are the things that you reflect on personally that you've learned? Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting that you say 12 months isn't a long time. I I definitely feel like it's been a long time. And that's partly because I've had sort of three roles in that time. Um, so to begin with, I was looking at new market opportunities for us. So my background's in management consulting and launching things. And um, so I came at it, uh, it from a kind of commercial Uh, perspective um, and one of kind of identifying opportunities in the market. Uh, I then launched Farewell Cremation just before Christmas. Um, One of my colleagues, Matt, took that on kind of 
to lead it. And that's when I stepped into the chief of staff role. Um, that was in January. And um, sort of uh, through the kind of fundraising process, I was involved in that quite a lot. Um, but also I found that uh, I was sort of by default uh, taking up a lot of the people strategy and being a bit of a sounding board for the team. Um, and then in about June, we decided to formally recognize that in my role. Um, so I'm now doing a sort of interim head of people kind of role. Um, I've loved all of it. I, I think um, I'm getting to my sort of reflection <laughs> in a minute, but um, I think it's easy for the people team to feel a bit off to the side, where it's like they're doing the HR and the hiring and we'll just let them get on with that and we'll go to them as and when we need something. Um, for me, having come from both a background before Farewell and while I've been here, a much more holistic view of what business is, like what it means to enable people to be um, happy and productive, because that's, you know, 80% of your spend for, for most startups, right? Um, it's really helpful to have that view of people being really embedded in the business. Um, so now that my job is to kind of build out the people team, hiring someone like Carl, um, we're currently hiring for a head of talent acquisition as well, and then they'll be building out that function. Um, I think we think about it in a really kind of collaborative, you know, who's going to be partnering with leaders and managers in the business, that sort of way, rather than the people team being something that um, it kind of sits as a support function in like the back office. Um, so I think that's one of the major things that I've learned and I'm really keen to maintain or even further as we, um, as we scale. Um, another reflection, uh, maybe this, it might, it might seem like a, a trivial one, um, but when we started going remote, I, to begin with, was sending out emails every day because that's how often we needed to send updates. It was like, and now here's how you can, um, re request equipment or, you know, whatever, whatever it was, we, there was enough that we were sending out an email every day. Um, and then it got to a certain point and I was like, oh, I don't have anything to say today, but maybe I'll send an email anyway. Um, because it just, it felt like a nice thing to keep people connected. And I've continued doing it ever, ever since. And people love it. Like every week, probably, I get at least one um, compliment or um, uh, someone saying thank you for doing that. Um, and it's not a big deal. It doesn't take me very long. But it you know, celebrates a couple of things from the day. Um, yeah, I do send out any updates or reminders or anything. And then I include like a funny photo from Slack that day. Um, yeah, and uh, when I go on holiday, people miss it. So now uh, I'm going on holiday for the next two weeks and I've got to have uh, 10 volunteers to, <laughs> to make sure that the daily email still gets sent. And then, and I've already filled that up. Like people are so willing to step in and do that. Um, so yeah, it sounds like a small thing maybe, but um, I think it's made such a difference to us all feeling still connected to each other and like everyone knows what's going on and they know each other as a team um, while we've all been remote we've uh, we've 
nearly doubled in size during COVID. So without having little things like that to keep us all connected, I think it's super hard for people to know who else is in the team and what's going on. Um, so that's been good. Um, and maybe my third reflection would be a bit more of a philosophical one, that people just really appreciate transparency. Um, I don't know if I've come across a company as transparent as Farewell before. And um, by that, I mean um, anyone in the business could ask me, Dan, Tom, anyone in the leadership team a direct question and they would get an honest answer. There's no kind of sidestepping or, you know, pointing people towards someone else just because they don't want to answer a difficult question. People will, you know, we're all committed to just being upfront with people. And I think that goes such a long way. Um, and within the leadership team as well, you know, I, I know that I can bring anything to that group of people and uh, there's never going to be blame thrown around or anything like that. We'll just, we'll problem solve it together. I think honesty and openness um, is something that does flow from the top down and um, really enables people to um, trust each other. Mm. I could not agree more. Your people function should not be off to the side. Communicate regularly. That context is so appreciated. And transparency is trust. Yeah. And um, you build trust by being transparent and giving honest answers. Such wise words, such great advice. Um, I need to bring today's episode uh, to a close. And with that, I've got to say a big thank you to Angela for joining us today. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Ben. I really did. Great. We'll definitely have you back again in the future. And as ever, uh, to Mel, our producer behind that virtual glass uh, for keeping this show on the road. To all of you listening along, wherever you are, we really appreciate you. And remember, if you've got a topic you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter and we are at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops 